Good morning, church. My name is Anne. The message you are about to listen to this morning is a revelation from the throne of God. I pray that as you listen to this message, the Lord will speak to your heart in Jesus' name. But before I go any further, I want to say, you are welcome in the name of the Lord. You are welcome in the name of the Lord. I can see all over the glory of the Lord. You are welcome in the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us be seated in his presence. I believe you will all agree with me that as humans, perfect people do not exist on this earth. Because I know I'm not perfect. And I don't know if there's anybody here that's perfect. Perfect people do not exist on this earth. Now, we do not exist as perfect people. That is why we keep looking for areas where we can change and improve. To be able to identify and acknowledge these weak areas in our lives is a part of the solution. I mean, knowing that answer, that weakness, will be 50% of the victory. But you see, pride cannot travel this path. Only humility. Why? Pride will never look back to reflect on where it's coming from. The book of Zechariah 4 verse 10 says, Do not despise these humble beginnings. In other words, do not forget the place you started. Where would I be? You only know. I'm glad you see through eyes of love a hopeless case, an empty place. If not, for grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, I once was lost, but now I'm found, a hopeless case, yes, an empty Hallelujah. Most times in life, when we find ourselves in positions of honor and glory, 
we tend to forget when. We tend to forget where. We tend to forget how we began. I mean, we forget our planting season. We forget the watering season when we were watering that plant, that seed of tomorrow. But you know what? We never forget the harvest time. This is why some of us will boast about our achievements as if we were originators of our own strength. While others feel worthless because their strengths and abilities do not stand out. As a Christian, when you begin to value your ego more than your conscience, or you place your ambitions above your salvation, you grieve the Holy Spirit with pride. James 4 verse 6 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now the question is, what does pride do to you and I? Pride will mask the true condition of your heart. Dim the eyes of your understanding. Distort your vision. Pride will make you see yourself as a victim and not a perpetrator or architect of your faith condition. That is why our attitude then becomes that of, I was mistreated. It becomes that of, I was cheated. It becomes that of, oh, I was misjudged. People don't understand me. This is pride. Pride will make your best friend become your worst enemy. Pride leads to discontentment. And discontentment has a logo. Tell somebody, discontentment. Say it louder. Discontentment has a logo. Look at your neighbor, look at your neighbor and say, discontentment has a logo. What is that logo? Nothing is ever enough. Discontentment has a logo. Nothing is ever enough. Discontentment will make a man want to be a woman. Discontentment will make a woman want to be a man. Discontentment will make your best friend become your worst enemy. Discontentment can even make your worst enemy become your best friend, not for God's sake, but for selfish, classic, and material reasons. Discontentment will make a fair person want to become black. Today, discontentment will make a black person want to become fair. Discontentment will make a fat person want to be slim. And make a slim person to be what? Discontentment will make a short-haired person to want to have long hair. And the long-haired person wants to have short hair. When a man continues to crave for something that is beyond him, that discontentment 
will lead to rebellion. When a man constantly craves for something that is beyond him, that discontentment will ultimately lead to rebellion. And what is rebellion? Rebellion is placing ourselves where God has not placed us. Rebellion is putting oneself in position of God. And you know, God always loves to place us where it pleases him. Look at the book of Jeremiah 29 verse 11. That is a fact and a truth. God said, the plan I have for you is good and not evil. So he always wants to place us where it pleases him. But discontentment and rebellion is placing ourselves where God has not placed us. Rebellion makes us act more like God's enemies than his friends. The Bible says that rebellion against God is as bad as witchcraft and arrogance as sinful as idolatry. The book of Proverbs 17 verse 11 says, evildoers foster rebellion against God. The messenger of death will be sent to them. I take it again. Proverbs 17 verse 11 says, evildoers foster rebellion against God. The messenger of death will be sent against them. Common to all viewpoints is the fact and the truth that rebellion willfully opposes God and will result in judgment. For example, in Isaiah 14, God created Lucifer to be the most magnificent of all the angels. But his rebellious desire to become God saw him sent to the pits of hell and banished for eternity. In Genesis 2, God gave Adam the entire Garden of Eden to possess, to own his rebellious desire to eat just one forbidden fruit. After God gave him the entire garden, he still wanted the forbidden fruit. His rebellious desire separated him from the presence of God. In Genesis 11, God unified the world with one language and one speech. Everyone spoke the same language, understood themselves. But their rebellious desires, their rebellious act, threw the world into confusion. And today, you and I suffer the effects of that division. What are the effects of division? Moral oppression. Institutionalized corruption in high places. Religious intolerance. Demonic and physical oppression. Women, diseases and disabilities everywhere. In Numbers 32, the children of Israel's constant rebellious actions against God caused them to wander for 40 years in the wilderness before they could finally enter the promised land. I tell you, rebellion against God is as bad as witchcraft, as sinful as idolatry. So our small and large acts of rebellion prove that man is indeed 
a descendant of Adam. However, God Almighty had a plan in motion to overcome the effects of man's rebellion. And the entire Bible is the story of how that plan unfolds, ultimately leading to God's visit to earth through his son, Jesus Christ. To God be the glory. Now this will lead me to the title of the message, Man and His Rebellious Nature. Say man and his rebellious nature. Touch yourself, say man and his rebellious nature. My proof text will be taken from that book of Numbers 16. We read from verse 1 to 31. But specifically, we'll be reading the verses 1 to 3. I'm talking of Numbers 16. We read 1 to 3, we read 19 to 20, and we read verse 31. But at your free time, you can take your time to read through from verse 1 to verse 31. I read, Korah, son of Ezer, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and certain Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, and On, son of Peleth, became insolent and rose up against Moses. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, you have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? Go to verse 19. When Korah had gathered all his followers in opposition to them at the entrance to the tent of meeting, the glory of the Lord appeared to the entire assembly. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, separate yourselves from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. Finally, let's go to verse 31. As soon as he finished saying all this, the ground under them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them with their household and all Korah's men and all his possessions. They went down alive into the grave with everything they owned. The earth closed over them and they perished and were gone from the community. Glory be to God. The five unique temptations of a Christian can be spelled out with five words. Fear, greed, ego, pride, rebellion. You see, in tempting the children of God, Satan's greatest aim is to distract us and overthrow our position as children of God, thereby cutting off our dependence upon God, our duty to God, our devotion to Him, our commitment and communion with God. This is why 
the higher we go, the higher these temptations try to take our time, our mind, our loyalty of our creator. They begin to increase gradually in our character. That before you know it, we begin to desire for ourselves the glory and honor that belongs to God. So you who say today, I need wealth. You who say, I need blessing. I need position. I need influence. I need power. Be aware that all high places are slippery places. Therefore, watch and pray. Christians seek not yet repose. Hear thy guardian angel say, Thou art in the midst of foes. Watch and pray. Genesis 2 makes us understand that the life we live is not ours. It is the Spirit of God that has chosen to give us this mysterious and miraculous gift of life. When God formed man from the dust of the ground, there was nothing fanciful about the chemical elements making up man's body until God put his breath of life into him. This is why God is so much concerned about us. Because not only are we his work of art, yes, we are his work of art, but most importantly, we are the dwelling place of his spirit. God wants to build character in us so that when we get to the place of our destiny, we will not crack, we will not explode, and we will not lose it all. Let me make a simple demonstration here for you. Picture yourself as dust. Before God put his breath of life. God wants to build character in us. Today, man is like dust. I need someone to help me hold it up. So, thank you very much. Today, man, remember we were formed from the dust of the ground. Man today, this is what man is. Man is like dust, blowing around, here and there, everywhere, without the breath of God, the spirit of God, because we have lost the essence of our lives. This is man. Today, man is like clay that will soon crack and explode and lose it all because we have lost the breath of God, the spirit of God, which is the final touch. I mean, the finishing touch to our molded existence. 
If you walk without the Spirit of God, you walk without the Father. If you walk without the Spirit of God, you are dust and clay. If you walk without the Spirit of God, you walk without instruction. You walk without direction. You walk without revelation. So child of God, stop cultivating desires to act on your own. Because the life we live is not ours. That's why this life is not our own. We are just passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blues. The angels beckon us from heaven's open door. And we can't feel at home in this world anymore. Of course we can't feel at home in this world. We have lost the essence of life. We have lost the final touch, the finishing touch to our molded existence. Because we have lost touch with the breath of God. The Bible says, the spirit of God gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Now, picture yourself. Picture your life. God sometimes will permit when he sees that we are going too far because of pride, he will permit sickness. He will permit setback. He will permit disappointment in order to humble us, to keep us from losing salvation. But rather than learning obedience by those things which we suffer, we begin to grumble. Why me? We begin to complain. What is happening? And you know what next we do? Child of God, you know what we do next? We start running. We start running. Running from the very things that is supposed to bring strength into our lives. We start running, running from salvation. When we accept adversity, enduring every pain, we will learn what we should know and our grief will turn to gain. What is that situation of yours? You that are complaining, I am depressed, I am disappointed, I am sick. What is happening to me? You look around. No way forward, no way backwards. You continue to complain. Jesus is saying, learn obedience and stop running. Turn back to salvation. Tell somebody, learn obedience. Stop running. Turn back to salvation. Turn back to salvation. Because to learn obedience is to follow God's processing. And God's processing requires 
commitment. If you need to learn what you should know so that your grief will turn to gain, learn obedience. Follow God's processing. Processing requires commitment. Jesus Christ's objectivity was founded on commitment and genuineness of faith. The day you make a total commitment to Jesus Christ, my brother, my sister, you have declared war against Satan. Ask yourself, have I made commitment? The day you make a total commitment, you declare war against Satan. And you will be tested and tried to be sure that you mean what you profess. After that, commitment will ask Jesus to accept you. And when Jesus accepts you, he will begin to take up your challenges. Ah, no wonder the Bible said, Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, that for when I am weak, then I am for when I am sick, then I am. For when I am poor, then I am blessed. For when I am lost, then I am found. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the blind say, I can see. It's what the Lord has done in me. Hosanna, Hosanna to the Lamb that was slain. Jesus died and rose. Come on, give it up for the Savior. Give it up to him. In conclusion, let's look at the book of Job 23 from verse 10. And hear what Job is telling us about Tests and trials. The book of Job 23 verse 10. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Job is telling us here that Jesus Christ will have nothing to do with a man that has not been made sensible by the vicissitudes of life. Jesus Christ will have nothing to do with you and I if we have not been made sensible by the vicissitudes of life. When I say a heart that has not been made sensible, I mean a man that has not been made sensible by disappointment. A man that has not been made sensible by sickness. A man that has not been made sensible by poverty. A man that has not been made sensible 
by the vicissitudes of life. For those whom Christ wishes to admit into the most intimate acquaintance with him, he first makes them sensible to realize how undeserving of his grace they ordinarily are. I mean, those whom Christ wishes to admit or those whom Christ must admit or adopt into his family, they must first be tested. And some of these tests are what many of us are going through. And we keep crying. <laughs> we keep wailing. We keep complaining. Battling flesh and blood. Looking for scapegoat. Today you will say your father is the wizard. Tomorrow your mother is the witch. Next tomorrow my sister is my enemy. The Bible says, what can separate us from the love of God? What can separate us from the love of God? What can separate you from the love of God? Nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That is why we can boldly sing. I have decided to I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I love this part. The cross before me, the world behind. Nothing can separate us. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. Anyone can claim Jesus is Lord, but that Jesus is Lord must go through tests and trials. The Holy Spirit must confirm it. This is why God has ordered all that the whole should appear to be of grace. God has ordered all that the whole should appear to be what? Of grace. This means that our faith, our conversion, our eternal salvation are not mere products of man's natural ability or power, but they result from a union in Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And love is the only genuine principle from which that union can spring. Let love take precedence over all. Child of God, if you have not learned to treasure God, if you have not learned to value his prophet, if you have not learned to appreciate the life God has given you, then you are one with a rebellious spirit that is in conflict with everything around it. 
You are a rebellious spirit that is bound, burdened, and most of all, useless as an instrument. Assess your love for God right now so that you may not receive the judgments you truly deserve. For God is merciful. He can withhold his punishment from us because his mercy drove Jesus to the cross for our sake. Repent and become committed to a new way of life. A new way of life from disobedience to obedience. From unfaithfulness to faithfulness. And from doubt to faith. Return back to salvation. If you say this prayer we are about to pray now with me. And you mean it from your heart. It will be a soul-saving and life-changing prayer. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to cast out of you every spirit of disobedience. Ask the Holy Spirit to cast out every thought that stands against God's will and purpose for your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to cast out every spirit of rebellion in your life. Remember, rebellion is as bad as witchcraft and sinful as idolatry. Rebellion makes us God's enemies than his friends. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Viewers all over the world. Anywhere you are watching us, I know that this message is right now at the center of your heart. So therefore, ask God to give you a willing and obedient spirit to be able to follow him day by day and hour by hour. Ask the Holy Spirit to take more of you and give you more of him because we know that this message is at the center of your heart. So ask Jesus to give you a willing and obedient spirit. A spirit that would defy the voice of disobedience. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.